podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you haven't played Paddy Power Fantasy yet, you're missing out. But on the upside, if you haven't played it yet, you qualify for a risk-free first go. Get up to £20 back as cash when you play Paddy Power Fantasy. And because every NFL game day is a season in itself, you don't have to wait to find out if you've won. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. New customer offer. Min £5, max £20 refund. T's and C's apply. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18 plus begumbleware.org. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show, presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Good to have you with us, gang. Week 7 almost in the bag. We're going to look back at another roller coaster Sunday in the NFL. What about them Cowboys storming it on Sunday night football? Look at Lamar Jackson and the Ravens taking down the Seahawks. What a performance there. The meltdown once again for the LA Chargers. The Vikings looking good. There is so much to be getting into. So we're doubling down on today's show. Ben Isaacs dropping by shortly. I will definitely be asking him about his woeful Chicago Bears offensive performance once again. Just to clarify, he doesn't own the Bears. He supports the Bears, so we'll definitely get in uh, to the NFC North uh, with Ben. And then delighted to say that Asmir Begovic making his season debut on the show. Always great to talk ball uh, with Asmir, and undoubtedly uh, he will get into his New England Patriots, I am sure. So looking forward to the show. If you haven't already, incidentally, you can subscribe to us wherever you get us, uh, Podcatcher Land. Uh, just click subscribe and you won't miss a trick. We have four episodes dropping every single week up to and including the Super Bowl. So get stuck in and get involved. Right, let's get this show on the road and check in with Ben Isaacs. Ben, 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 Ben. Are we going to start with your Chicago Bears or are we going to give you a few minutes to lick those wounds? There's a lot of wounds to lick. There's no tongue in the world big enough. Oh, that's an image I don't really want on a Monday morning, but there we go. Well, look, we'll park the Bears for a bit, and I want to get into uh, the NFC North generally as well, because it is a fascinating division. I think maybe the most compelling division in the NFL. I'm going to throw it out there, maybe along with the NFC West, but we'll talk mm-hmm. about it in a bit more detail. The, the Packers looking legit, the Vikings back in business as well, the Lions, the unluckiest team, I think, in the NFL right now. Um, but why don't we start with Sunday night football and a comeback performance and then some from the Dallas Cowboys blowing Philly out of the water, 37-10 the final. And in many ways, Ben, it makes a huge amount of sense. They were abject against the Jets. They've been struggling in recent weeks because their line has been banged up. And J-Bell was in the ESPN studio on Friday uh, reminding us that it all starts on the line. You can't get that right. Uh, then you're in trouble. And this has been the cornerstone of Dallas sides for, for years and years, the offensive line, the Garrett Dallas sides in recent years. But with Tyron Smith, Leo Collins back in business, Amari Cooper back as well, Randall Cobb stepping up. It's not a surprise, is it, that this was an altogether different Cowboys side? And when they are at full fitness, they have to be taken seriously as an NFC championship contender. Yeah, it's not a surprise at all. To me, yesterday was statement Sunday for so many teams Ooh, and like so it. many and so many players. Have you trademarked that? Um, I I should, but you know what? We'll we'll share the copyright with the NC show. Um, nice. What's, good, what's good for you is good for me. Um, and you know, obviously, it was a it was a huge statement from from the Cowboys and from Dak and Zeke. And you're right. It's it starts up front. Um, when you've it's it's no it's no shock that when the offensive line is is firing on all cylinders, all of a sudden Ezekiel Elliott can't be stopped. Dak Prescott's got time. And to me, the the biggest surprise, if anything, was the performance from the Cowboys' defense. the The way that they the way that they pressured Carson Wentz. The the takeaways was just a big deal. The Cowboys, um, I read, were the only team in the NFL that hadn't started a possession inside the other team's territory all season. And they managed that four times last night and got three touchdowns from it. So, you know, turning, turning those fantastic defensive performances on those drives into 21 points, that's very difficult to beat a team when they're doing that. And shout out to Dak Prescott setting the franchise record for touchdown runs by a quarterback. Roger Starbuck, 
who was one of the greatest scrambling quarterbacks of his era in the 1970s and obviously a Dallas Cowboys legend. He only had 20. Dak's only been around for five minutes and has 21. So Lord knows how many he'll end up with. I absolutely love this Cowboys team. They took that dip. I've been talking about how important Kellen Moore is as uh, an offensive coordinator. It's his first season as a play caller. And those first few weeks, he seemed to be spot on. And then it seemed like people were figuring out his schemes. So he went away, changed it up a little bit. And there we go, a dominating performance in a game that was just an absolute killer for the, for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, where do they go from here? Can they catch the Dallas Cowboys? Well, let's talk a, more about uh, that and what is going wrong uh, with the Eagles. I mean, obviously injuries aren't helping them a, at all, and um, uh, and that's been a huge problem, I think, uh, and, and continuing to. So Jason Peters, Deshaun Jackson, inactive last night as well. Ronald Darby wasn't starting. So they are a banged-up unit at the moment, so you've got to put a, a, at least a mini asterisk next to mm. uh, this performance and last week as well in that respect. But... Uh, offensively, how concerned are you about them? You mentioned the Dallas D uh, stepping up, and it's worth pointing out as well that a couple of the Dallas D took knocks in the game and left. Um, Van Der Esch and Robert Quinn specifically, uh, they're downplaying the Cowboys, the severity of those, particularly Van Der Esch. I think he uh, had uh, suggested to press after the game that he's fine. He's good, I think was the word he used. So I don't think it was necessarily serious, but worth uh, keeping an eye on that, uh, those stories developing. In terms of the Eagles, can't get the running game going again. Jordan Howard held to, to 50 yards. Um, Receiving-wise, Alshon Jeffrey had such a huge threat in recent seasons. Not at the race, it's just two catches for him, two catches for Zach Hurts. Pound for pound, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, not getting anything going. Um, and Carson Wentz under 200 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Uh, defensively, we know that there are big issues here, but offensively, they just can't seem to get it going at the moment. Yeah, Carson Wentz also gave up uh, two fumbles. Um, with Jordan Howard, he can be a bit feast and famine. When he, you know, he's a real downhill runner, and that if if you can get him going in the first quarter, then he can keep rumbling, keep rumbling, and he's a powerful guy. You fall behind, and he's not that useful. Also, Jeffrey was very disappointed, as was Zach Ertz. If there's if there's no real if there's no real running game, and a, a big chunk of their uh, rushing yards came in garbage time, then. Wentz has problems when it comes to kind of, he, he was really showing his limitations last year. And I hesitate to, you know, to say that about Carson Wentz because he's been such a fantastic quarterback. When he but, came back from, obviously coming back from injury, he was understandably a little bit limited in his scope, wasn't he, for a, for a while. So you've got to bear that in mind that it was a, a difficult comeback season. And certainly the first third of it, first quarter of it, you've got to factor that in. Yeah. He's, he's perhaps not the player that he, the player that he was and it's games like this where it, it felt like he was able to kind of rise to the occasion in, in bigger games and it, there won't be many bigger games this season for the Eagles. It is, it very much seems like a kind of two team race at the, at the top of the NFC East, obviously. And with, with these sort of wins, it's not just kind of falling, falling behind the Cowboys. It's, it's losing that, losing that tiebreaker. I, I'm a, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about Carson Wentz because obviously they, they got rid of Nick Foles and he's a better quarterback than Nick Foles, but they don't have the luxury of that option anymore of being able to just put in a top class backup. Were you surprised, you know, studying college as you do, uh, at Carson Wentz? Cause he went, what did he go second overall? He went second overall, didn't he? Mm. I think, um, are you surprised that he went so high in that draft based on what you'd seen? In college and given his, you know, career trajectory to date, what is your take been on whether he's lived up to that, Billy? I didn't, I didn't think he was too, I mean, usually quarterbacks are taken too high for their talent level, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, a, a top class quarterback will end up going, you know, higher than a top class wide receiver, for example. So he was, he was a high pick and he didn't play at the top level of, college football and to put that in perspective it's not like saying oh this is not this is a player who hasn't played in the premier league he's played in the championship there's 20 teams in the premier league where there was there are more than 100 teams in the top level of college football and mm. he played in the division below that however he barely put a foot wrong he did everything that you could have asked and there will be many many top level college teams that think you know i wish we'd recruited him he's I'm, I'm not that surprised with, with the way that he's gone. 
if anything, I'm surprised that he excelled so quickly, but he was put in a really good position with the Eagles. They already had, they already had, um, good weapons ready to go. And he was, he was good as a rookie. And I think, although Nick Foles was the one that got them over that line, it wasn't like Carson Wentz was struggling and then Foles came in and repaired it all. He's going to have his ups and downs. And with that injury, I think that that down that he's currently in is a bit deeper. He's got, he's got a high ceiling and there is plenty of room for improvement for him. But at the moment, I'm worried that he will never reach that ceiling. The Eagles seem to have problems and I'm not convinced that he is going to help them make the playoffs. Then a couple of weeks ago though that he threw for three scores against the Packers and their win his passer rating was uh, was very strong in that game and certainly in you know 115 or so I've got it right in front of me at the moment so he's had some fairly decent performances he looked okay against obviously the Vikings as well last week so are we getting a little bit carried away over one well, bad performance? Well this is my worry with the Eagles um, and it's it's a little bit it's a little bit with the Bears as well. Whereas at certain points they can look so good and you think, ah, oh, that's, that's the real team. And then you see performances in like this and you think, or oh, is this the real team? Or is it the fact that they cannot put that consistency together? The, the problems that the Eagles had yesterday and have had during this season, we can't just put on Carson Wentz, who is obviously one of their best players and one of their most important, if not the most important player in that on that franchise Doug Peterson threw down the smack talk and said we're going to go in there we're going to get the win and he claimed afterwards it was taken out of context but it, you know as, as many commentators suggested in the build up to the game that is just blueprint textbook uh, locker room material for the Cowboys and these things usually have a way of coming back to slap you in the face and it did for the Eagles do you think that was ill judged um, do you know what I don't I don't think it was I don't I wouldn't say that anything the Cowboys did was because of that it, what it tells us is that Doug Peterson felt that the Eagles themselves needed a kick up the butt to actually get themselves motivated and focused on this game. To me, that suggests that they've been a little bit lackadaisical in practice. He's been not happy with their inconsistent performances during the season and he wanted to, he wanted to rev them up. It mm. didn't work. I think the, the way the, the way the Cowboys went about it, they had, they had a game plan and they seemed to know what the Eagles were going to do mm. from pretty much the first snap. I didn't, I didn't think the Cowboys were kind of, were, were riled up. I'm not against Doug Peterson doing that. It's kind of embarrassing for him afterwards, but this is, a, this is a massive divisional rivalry. These two teams and two franchises hate each other. Cowboys fans and Eagles fans despise each other. So you don't need to be able to kind of, you shouldn't have to get them going like that. Um, and if you do, then, uh, Maybe you need better ways of motivating your players. Uh, the Cowboys improved to four and three with that win. Uh, the Eagles dropped to three and four and the Cowboys three and oh in the division, uh, as well, which uh, could be crucial when all is said and done, given the fact that uh, the Giants and the Redskins, uh, are done and dusted as far as, well, certainly the division and the playoffs, uh, you would think are, are concerned. So it's going to be a straight shootout, uh, between these two. And the moment the Cowboys in the box seat, quick prediction for you before we get onto your Bears in the North. Ben, uh, yep. is Jason Garrett going to be the Cowboys head coach at week one of next season? Uh, yes. You think he will? Yes. Um, I, cause I think this is a team that is, that is built to get to the NFC championship game. And I think that would be enough to keep his job. Ooh, okay. Well, it is getting hyper competitive in the NFC. Let's move on to, uh, onto the North and, and talk about your, talk about your Bears because it was uh, a desperately disappointing performance once again, and obviously particularly uh, once again for Mitch Trubisky back in the lineup um, and the offense once again flattering to deceive. And I'm being charitable, I think, uh, there. 36-25, the final, up against the Saints side with no uh, Alvin Kamara, up against the Saints side with no Drew Brees, although he's expected potentially back uh, next week and more on that uh, shortly. So uh, a game that if the Bears are serious NFC uh, title contenders, then they should be winning. And they weren't even close. And it was primarily down to uh, the offense, although you've got to talk uh, about Sean Payton, who uh, I'm hearing everybody is already locked in and anointed as coach of the year. But mm. um, I, I get it. It's incredible what he's managed to do with this Saints offense. And so uh, whilst Trubisky and uh, Matt Nagy are getting the criticism for uh, an ill 
uh, offense, defensively, the Bears weren't there either. Or are the two things interlinked with the offense performing just so badly, not getting anything going? It's putting far too much pressure on a defense without Akeem Hicks as well, so a little bit banged up. Talk us through what the hell is going on with your Bears, Ben. Well, I think they are. I think they are interlinked. Um, the offense is doing the defense absolutely no favors. The defense is having to stay on the field for so very long, and during during the first half, um, you know, it, it was twelve ten to the Saints at the half, and the Saints had blocked a punt and they'd recovered a a fumble uh, just outside the red zone. There had only really been one good drive from the Saints in that first half. The Bears' defense had been pretty much doing their job, even though they'd allowed 12 points. A lot of that was not on them. It then, because they just couldn't get off the field in the second half, they were, they were worn down. Mm. Now, I thought the Bears had a really good chance to win this game, but that there would be big question marks because um, the Saints were missing three of their most important offensive players, and there would only be so much you could take from a, a victory. Let's say the Bears had won by seven. I think you'd be looking at that game thinking, well, they had every advantage. They were at home. The Saints were banged up. You should be able to really make a statement on Statement Sunday. But instead, it was the absolute opposite. It wasn't as close as the score suggests. Lord knows what the score would have been if Breeze and Kamara had actually been fit to play. Mm. Trubisky was absolutely awful. He doesn't seem right, but the, the play calling, I remember we were talking after the week one games and um, you said, you know, how much, how much we put on this of this is on Trubisky. And I'd said about Matt Nagy's play callings are putting him in bad positions all the time. And that was amplified yesterday. Matt Nagy, he knows that you have to have running backs and run the ball, but it's a bit like if you've ever been to an all-inclusive resort and you have a child going around the buffet and they know, they know they've got to put vegetables on the plate, but are you going to get them to eat those vegetables? Probably not. Absolutely and that's what he's the greatest description of Matt Nagy and this Bears offense that I've ever heard and will ever be spoken. I think it's a, a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, yeah, Tariq Cohen, three attempts, 10 yards. Trubisky had 54 passes. I mean, it's unreal. Uh, it unreal. unreal. There's a really good stat, um, or pointing out a passage of play. Uh, Kevin Patra on NFL.com, uh, in his game roundup said, uh, a six possession string. I'm quoting him here, running from the second and third quarters went, uh, three and out, three and out, three and out, a one play at a fumble, three and out, three and out. <laughs> if you want to, that's all the absolute, the only game report you need, I think, from this one. If we, if we fast forward to the, to the end of next season, mm. if the Bears have not made the playoffs this year or next, Matt Nagy may never be a head coach again because he's gone from being offensive genius to <clears throat> a guy who just knows a lot of offensive plays, but can't actually put them into a game plan. But how much of it, I know it's an easy and maybe lazy take to say, Oh, it's all on Trubisky, but at some point, you know, you have to, if you're, you have such little confidence. Remember Jay Bell telling me after week one of, after the week one game against, against the Packers, one of the big concerns he had was looking at the first 15, 20 plays that they called. He said, that shows me they don't have confidence in Trubisky. You and I have talked about this, right? Yeah, 100%. And so I, I kind of have sympathy here for Matt Nagy. I know that Bears fans who are watching every single down and every single play call, uh, you know, might be screaming, uh, out loud right now when I say, oh, I'll give him a, but I, I kind of understand if you've got such a, an, well, a quarterback that isn't able to do it and is technically, uh, remiss and, and suspect and, and certainly ambiguous. It's ambiguous as to whether he's going to be able to be a, a starter in the NFL and he's in bad form and he's banged up. All of these three things I think mm-hmm. you can apply to Drabisky at the moment. Um, you kind of get the sense that, uh, it is a difficult situation, you know, for, for, for Nagy to get anything going here. I mean, what are the options? The, the Bears fans giving uh, him, the team, the bird, the offense specifically, I guess the bird at, at halftime. Uh, yeah. That was, that was getting pretty ugly. So there's going to be clamoring, I guess, that uh, for change again. Uh, and it's not going to be the head coach going. So what are we going to see? Chase Daniel back in the side? What, what, what well, happens next? Well, in a way, it was good that we've seen. Uh, Chase Daniel kind of bossed him out as he did at Tottenham because he was woeful when, when the game was on the line. We've, we've seen this from Chase Daniel. It's whatever it is, six 
six starts in 11 seasons. No head coach trusts him to be a head, uh, to be a starter for more than one or two games. So there is no good backup option. You've got to ride Trubisky for the rest of the season and see if you can get something out of him. At least this way, you can see what he can do. There is, there's no point going to, there's no point going to chase Daniel. We know what he can do and it is pretty much nothing. With Trubisky, he does seem to have regressed from last season. He really had some nice games last year, but there was, there was help from Jordan Howard. There was help from Tariq Cohen at the moment. Alan Robinson is the only player on the offense who's performing well. Mm. It's obviously Matt Nagy inherited Mitch Trubisky. And he's always said all the right things about Mitch Trubisky. And it does help that Mitch Trubisky is the anti-Jay Cutler in that Trubisky is very, very, <laughs> very well liked by everybody. He's this kind of nice, fun guy who makes everyone feel good. Whereas Jay Cutler obviously was not like that. So Trubisky's got that kind of, he's got that. <laughs> he's charisma. a fun guy. No, but yeah, the fans turning on him. Looking at the run into uh, the next few weeks for the Bears, they got the Chargers. That's good news, right? Yeah. Because yeah. We'll talk uh, with Asma in a moment about how dysfunctional they are. It makes the Bears look like a, a, a completely happy five star. Everything's rocking and rolling franchise the way the Chargers wrapped up that game. Uh, then you got the Eagles, uh, the Lions and the Rams. So difficult. Uh, three out of four games coming up uh, for different reasons. Let's uh, wrap things up with you, Benny, by looking at the uh, uh, NFC North power rankings then. I mean, the, the, presumably the, there's no argument that the Packers are the best in show there, right? Uh, oh, um, absolutely. And, you know, the fact that Aaron Rodgers played 99 NFL seasons, this is a 99th NFL season, and statistically, Aaron Rodgers had the best game ever by a Packers quarterback yesterday. This is and what that, we were suggesting could happen and, and certainly did yesterday that uh, this Packers side, which is predicated on a, a, a surprisingly decent defense, uh, an offense that has been fine, good in times, you know, Aaron Jones in particular carrying a lot of the load. Uh, but we said if he can get this right, if they can get this right uh, with the Fleur and Rodgers clicking, uh, then they are going to be formidable. And that's precisely what we saw last night, a perfect snapshot of just how dangerous this uh, Packers offense uh, and this Packers side of the result can be. So if they're rank one, the Vikings can't be far behind. I mean, it's amazing how quickly they have turned things around. It was, what, three weeks ago we were talking about dysfunction central for, for Minnesota and particularly the same old, same old with Kirk Cousins. Uh, getting called out by his own receivers is never yeah. a good look, but he's turned it around and then summoned another strong uh, performance uh, from the Vikings. Are you still a little bit worried, though, that it will be – uh, and, you know, the Lions are a strong D. I think it's fair to say. I think the statistically that's a little bit misleading. I think Patricia's put a, a decent D together. Darius Slade got into the game with uh, a knock and left the game, which which weakened them, of course. But nevertheless, look at Cousins' line, four touchdowns, uh, 24 of 34, over 300 yards. They're getting the ground game going once again with Dalvin Cook over uh, well, almost 150 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Uh, Diggs filling his boots too. So are we uh, reading that the Vikings have turned a corner or are you concerned that it is a false dawn and at the end of the day, when they're up against an elite elite defense, we're going to see more of the same in the big games from Kirk Cousins and co? Yeah, the, the latter. When Kirk Cousins plays a team with a winning record, he finds it very tough. He can really make hay when he's up against a, a, a very beatable team and he will kind of pad his season stats with those games, you know, what that, that game that they played in Chicago, he was outrageously bad. He was completely befuddled by everything that the Bears defense was doing. Now, more often than not, he's going to be up against teams that he can beat and they should still make the playoffs. But I would not trust Kirk Cousins against the 49ers, against the Cowboys, against the Eagles, against the Packers. So, He's got quite an, an easy run, Benny. Look at what they've got coming up. The Redskins on Thursday night football this week, so a short week for them. That's an easy win. Yeah, the Chiefs minus Mahomes uh, and a defense that you can take on. I think it's fair to say. Then yep. they've got the Cowboys. That's going to be a, a crucial game, of course, to test uh, their metal. The Broncos, decent deep and you yep. know, uh, bouncing back a little bit, but you would assume the Vikings would win that. The Seahawks uh, and then the Lions again. So... They could quite conceivably be rolling into the Christmas period. The Chargers after that, Packers on Christmas Eve. That's going to be a hell of a game. Oh um, that will, yeah, that will tell. They might well have been locked in for, you know, that could be the divisional decider, I guess. And uh, if not locked in for a, a wild card 
birth of nothing else. Are you seeing that there could be what? Could there be three teams from the north get making the playoffs? No, I think two, and I think the Vikings will make it. I just don't expect them to win a playoff game personally. Mm. Um, obviously, we're not getting into the NFC West, but there are there are there are three teams there who I would not be at all surprised to see win a playoff game. Um, but I, 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 the Vikings have, have got wild card one and out written all over them to me, <laughs> right to me right now. The Detroit lions um, are obviously, I say, obviously I'm basing this on my current hatred of this bears team. To me, they're obviously the third best team within that division. They've actually wow. been a they've been a pleasant surprise. They're trending upwards. Matt Stafford is an underrated quarterback because he plays for the Lions. If he was at some other more fashionable teams, I think he'd get a lot more credit and a lot more publicity. I actually like what the Lions are doing. They've become a tough out most of the time. And I think they're gonna potentially be above five hundred at the end of the season, which is something I wouldn't yeah. say about the Bears right now. The Bears look like six and ten team. The Lions look eight and ten. Maybe, well, obviously not eight and ten because they've had a they've had a tie, but they look like a team that could be above five hundred potentially. Eight and ten, <laughs> yeah. I mean, eight, yeah, they look like it. They, to me, they look like eight and eight, but because of that tie, they they will never be eight and eight. Oh, I see. Okay, we, that's what I mean. Um, Sorry, uh, Matthew Stafford. Things you mentioned the fastest quarterback uh, in the history of the NFL to forty thousand yards. How about that? Uh, for all you Stafford non-believers, I totally agree. <laughs> I think he is uh, underrated, and then some. Uh, so, just very quickly, uh, leave us with an image of well, who are the Vikings then at this all-you-can-eat buffet? If uh, you've given a perfect description of the Matt Nagy Bears offense. So the Vikings, they kind of go and fill up a plate, blitz it, uh, and drink four beers and pass out. Well, I think the Vikings are those ones that will go around the buffet, but they'll see certain foods that think, oh, that looks a bit <laughs> foreign. I'm going to avoid that. And they'll steer clear of the challenges to try and keep it safe. Because as soon as they do have something that it is, is a little bit exotic, they're going to be in the bathroom for like 12 hours. You put sushi in front of them and that is a game over. That's the end of the night. <laughs> What's this foreign muck? <laughs> I love it. And I want definitely more food-based analogies as the season uh, <laughs> rolls on. They can uh, they can sit uh, simpatico alongside Greg Brady's relationship analogies, which, <laughs> which Brady seems <laughs> yeah. to drop every single time. So I'm going to find out which uh, what relationship parallel he will draw with that uh, lady in the back. It, keep it's, it going. it's interesting insight into all our psyches as to the things that we <laughs> are our go-tos. Uh, I don't want to go there whatsoever with Carlson in which case. Um, crack your work, buddy. Look after yourself. Uh, uh, we will check in with you very soon. See you soon, guys. Cracking stuff from Ben. Let's keep things moving along. And welcome, making his first appearance of the season, but I'm sure there'll be plenty more. The terrific Asmir Begovic. Asmir, welcome to the show, man. Well, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. How is life treating you? Well, do you know what? Life in Azerbaijan is not not too bad at all. I've been here um, almost almost two months now. Uh, it's been a good experience. Everyone's been really, really welcoming. And uh, playing a lot of games, Europa League games have been a really good experience too. Um, I've been able to pop home a little bit as well for a couple of days here and there. So it's been good. You know, it's a nice, nice change and I'm um, enjoying the experience. Well, you know, the experience is good. The team playing well is good. Settling in is good. Seeing your family is very important, but most important of all, does Game Pass work in Azerbaijan? Yes, no, Game Pass is very much <laughs> working in Azerbaijan. Um, so it's, it's a couple of late nights on Sunday, so thankfully, uh, you know, some Mondays Mondays are off for us at times, so it's worked out really well. Well, do you have to explain that to coach on Monday morning at training that, uh, just, yeah, I had trouble sleeping last night? No, exactly. So the fact that we don't train uh, most Mondays and we play Sundays uh, or even sometimes Saturday, we, we train on a Sunday and we have the Monday off works out really well. Oh, so salt, me, yeah. staying, me staying up till three o'clock in the morning is not, so, <laughs> not, not, not too big of an issue. The perfect gig. You're never going to come back. Um, well, listen, it's great to have you on. And um, there's a ton I want to get into uh, with you. We've just been talking uh, with Ben Isaacs a little bit earlier on, uh, covering off Sunday Night Football and that awesome performance from the, the Cowboys and his Bears as well. So I want to look more at the AFC with you, uh, if that okay. is all right. I might sneak a few yeah. other teams in as well. But I want to start first things first with the Chargers-Titans game. Um, because that was, abso- even by Chargers standards, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. I tweeted out watching it, this is the most Chargers sequence of plays I've ever seen. And there is quite a high bar there. So, um, you know, for listeners that didn't catch it all, and, and for those that did, that just want to uh, run through it all again. I mean, it was a game that they're in the end zone. It got called back. They're on the one yard line. They went in with Melvin Gordon. That got called back. 
he then goes in again, coughs it up. Wesley Woodard, who I did the Super Bowl with uh, earlier on this year, and he's an absolute gent and a brilliant broadcaster, stepping up, jamming the ball loose. Jarrell Casey uh, grabs it, recovering it for a touchback. A touchback. And the Titans somehow pull the win out of the jaws of defeat. The Chargers, I mean, you just saw Rivers shaking his head. The Chargers fans absolutely uh, flabbergasted. What the hell went on there? Well, I mean, I think if you're going to follow any team as a neutral, the Los Angeles Chargers will be your team. Because <laughs> right. I don't remember a straightforward game in, well, any time really. It's always, there's always some it. sort of drama and seems to follow them all around, I think. I don't know what's going on there. Is this it? I, I mean, I don't know. And uh, I mean, let's start with Melvin Gordon, first of all. I mean, do you think that the holdout, he's been terrible since he's come back, right? Do you think that has completely knocked their season? Because the, and he's not the only player to hold out and I'm not necessarily calling him out for, for the principle of holding out I'm not making a statement about that but undeniably it caused unrest in terms of season preparation and if you're going to hold out and if you're going to say look pay me I am a heavyweight player when you do come back make sure that you behave like a heavyweight player he's just been awful yeah, well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's helped. I don't think it's helped him in terms of his preparation, getting ready for the season. I don't think it's helped the Chargers, especially because Austin Eckler was, was sort of breaking into that number one running back role. And now yeah. he's had to go back to sharing that duty with, with Melvin Gordon. So I don't think that's helped. And that sort of drama is never helpful to any team. I think other, other aspects, injuries have not helped the Chargers, but this is, this is the Chargers. I mean, you mentioned some, someone like Wesley Woodyard. I mean, he hasn't forced a fumble, fumble since 20. 15. I mean, that's <laughs> if, if it was ever going to happen, it was going to be against the Chargers, and it's, it's on the one yard line, right, with 19 seconds to go. So it's it was this is it. You know, this is it. As you know, bring it to football for a minute. As a West Ham fan, as you as you know, I am. <laughs> it is always the way that you know a player hasn't scored for 24 games will score against West Ham. <laughs> And the Chargers are that NFL team. This is exactly it. With the Chargers, you just can't write the script. I mean, anything um, can happen for them. And it's just, um, it's not like the Chargers have been bad. I mean, even when you look at the game yesterday, um, Austin Eckler has a decent performance. You know, Philip Rivers has a decent performance, you know, throws for a really good amount of yards. Uh, But it's just the catastrophic mistakes that kill this team. I mean, yeah. That's sort of a fumble on the one yard line. Not being able to to score when you have to um, is what's really killing this team and has done all season. Okay, well, uh, they are pretty much done, I think, after that defeat. The Titans still just about breathing. And I guess the, the final point on this game uh, should go to Marcus Mariota. Uh, as Ryan Tannehill, Freudian slip. Ryan Tannehill stepping in for Marcus Mariota, uh, making his first start of the season and, uh, and looking pretty capable as well. So do you get the sense that they might be one of these teams a little bit like the Panthers uh, under uh, Kyle Allen while Cam Newton's out? That solid defense and a very well-coached team defensively particularly as well with with Vrabel I think uh, really impressive in that respect if they can keep in tight games uh, and they always seem to we joke often that uh, Titans games are always like what was it 23-20 yesterday 17-14 that actually Tannehill might be uh, exactly what they need right now in terms of protecting the ball being a fluent game manager and get the defense to do the job and they could sneak in the back door and look at one of the wild cards to get a getting a run together yeah no absolutely I couldn't agree with you more I think um, the quarterback position for the Tennessee Titans is something that will need to be addressed long term um, but for now it's about being in uh, in a position where the quarterback doesn't make any big mistakes it just keeps the team rolling because as you said they're well run well coached very solid all around especially that defense is always solid not going to give up too many points to anyone as long as the offense can do their job to a decent standard nothing crazy then then they're going to be in, in with a and with a shout for a playoff spot, absolutely. I mean, Tannehill yesterday, even though Bosa was getting after him and um, there's never an easy person to play against, you know, he threw over 300 yards. And, um, you know, if they can get that sort of performance most weeks, then I, I don't see a reason why they won't be a playoff team. All right, let's move on to a team who I think uh, are looking very, very decent uh, for a playoff run. The Baltimore Ravens are back in business. What a convincing win they had against the Seahawks. And Lamar Jackson uh, in the thick of it. And doing it, um, it was a kind of mixture, really. Look at the stat line, and it implies he didn't have a great game in the air, uh, completing less than half of his passes, 143 yards, and running for over 100 yards. You think, okay, well, this is the Lamar Jackson we thought we knew, and he... 
uh, is a better quarterback on the ground than he is in the air, but he threw some absolute dimes in, in that game out of those nine completions. And the fact that he is that, uh, that threat in both ways, we talked a bit on Friday with J-Bell about uh, the uh, problems that Pete Carroll has had in his career against quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson uh, at USC. This was the case as well. If you look statistically in the NFL, when you have quarterbacks that are immensely dangerous on the ground too, he's struggled, his defense has struggled to contain that. And that was the case uh, again against uh, the the Ravens who uh, were just uh, absolutely electrifying at times. And Lamar Jackson is really emerging as this season as, as a superstar, isn't he? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, this is this is been one of the steals of the drafts uh, a couple of drafts ago because you know he went at the, at the back end of the first round and yeah. um, the way he's playing you know he should have gone a lot higher so uh, kudos to the Ravens for picking him up and um, he's really grown I mean as you can see this season he's had a couple ups and downs of course I mean that that's for a young quarterback something very very normal to to expect but I think when when he's so explosive and such a dual threat it, I mean it's difficult for anyone I know Pete Carroll's had his struggles historically but. When he's on his game like this, um, and he's and he's rushing and running for over a hundred yards, and you know he's, he's a threat in the air as well. I think it's a very very difficult um, thing to defend against. And um, you know the addition of Marcus Peters, well in defensive end, uh, maybe that change of environment's done him a lot of good. I mean he obviously had a pick six yesterday. Yeah, what so, a start! Blimey, what a start! Yeah, what a start to go to Seattle and make that sort of a play. Then I think it becomes they become a very very interesting team. And Lamar Jackson definitely growing and. Um, you know, if he keeps us up, the Ravens are definitely a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, re-up the defense, obviously, uh, in uh, a realign and restructure the defense, Baltimore. And it's a team that, you know, over the years we've known first and foremost as being, you know, defense heavy, right? Even the, the Super Bowl team with Flacco um, was uh, was that. And certainly the one uh, back in the day with Ray Lewis and co was predicated entirely on, you know, defense first. Um and an okay offense to get get you over the line, but it's impressive what they've done in terms of kind of regrouping and particularly. And I know that the Seahawks are banged up a bit on the offensive line going into this game, but uh, nevertheless, the pressure that uh, they were putting Russell Wilson under um, was impressive to see. All round, I think this Ravens D is perhaps a little bit underestimated because it doesn't necessarily have the marquee stars of of the past they're shaping up to be a dangerous team I think Baltimore very very dangerous team and I mean you expect them to win their division quite comfortably now and um, it, it depends how far they go with obviously Pat Mahomes going down and the Kansas City Chiefs I mean that that second spot in the in the conference I think could be up for grabs and that gives you a nice first round bye and um nobody wants to go to Baltimore in the playoffs that's for sure that's not an easy place to go and play and um, if this team grows with the confidence and we'll see if they pick up anyone before the trade deadline and maybe add an offensive piece but when you look at that back line you know anchored by Earl Thomas um, it's it's not an easy team to play against especially with that secondary being um, reborn I guess overnight so um, no no the Baltimore Ravens are definitely one heck of a team who else are you liking the look of? Let's talk. The Bills won again, and you know it wasn't easy uh, against the Dolphins. Never are, I think. Uh, you know those how bad the Dolphins are this season. I wasn't surprised that it wasn't as straightforward as some people were suggesting. In the end, I think the scoreline slightly flattered them. Uh, but another win for them. Um, the Rams smashing back. What a performance uh, they had against ah oh, the Atlanta Falcons, who are just yeah. falling they're, they're, apart. They're done. It seems they're done. they're done, aren't they? Do you think Dan Quinn's got to go? Yeah, he will go at some point, whether they're, I mean, um, I think the Falcons owner has always been very, very good to his coaches. So I don't think, I'm not sure he's going to make a change in the middle of space, especially now if Matt Ryan goes down. I mean, what, what do you have to work with? Um, you know, and they, they might trade Mohamed Sanu. I know he's been talked about as a veteran piece for some, some contenders and getting some salary off the books for, for the Falcons. So, I don't know. Getting who are you going to get? So what are you going to do now to make make a change? So I think long term, it seems like Dan Quinn has to go. I think the change is necessary there, and the rebuild in a way um, has to happen there. But you've you've got a franchise quarterback, and you have Julio Jones. So you know that that that'd be a great job for anyone. Ridley um, as well. I mean, it's great. Yeah. There's so many pieces there. I think um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because unlike uh, you know, unlike football, football, we. Uh, 
habit is a different kind of mindset really in terms of replacing coaches there's no well rarely does a coach get replaced during the season certainly if they do it's always an interim situation right it's a coordinator that steps up and steadies the ship caretaker style maybe they're looking at that guy as a possible head coach in for the next season like freddie kitchens for example but usually they're going to be looking elsewhere so i guess the pros and cons for doing that are well it's a statement we're going to start the process of looking now and just being straight with someone like quinn after everything he's given the franchise but at the same time there's not really much you can unless they're looking at one of their coordinators dark cutters their offensive coordinator right now they might look yeah might look at him stepping up but interesting to see how they how they play that how good were the rams then how much can we read from that game given the fact the falcons were so bad the rams needed that win didn't they they needed that performance well i think the rams needed that they they needed the jolt of jalen ramsey coming in there and um you know showing that team that they i think what the what les need does and sean mcveigh do i mean they've they've sent a message to that team i mean after losing three in a row they're 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 all in to win i mean they're not saying this the season's over by any stretch of the imagination they make a trade like that that means no no we're still gaming aiming for the Super Bowl and I think is um, it on that asthma do you think it, 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 it's a really high risk but all in, in in the sense that all in on this season given what they've given up for Ramsey because on uh, Jay Bell was saying I think it was Jay Bell full of wisdom last week saying uh, if you look at a first round pick it's a 50-50 call you know there are thereabouts and so the idea of giving up two first rounders I know it wasn't just that is that let's just say you land one of them and they are a serious player. Ramsey's an elite player. Ramsey's a, you know, once in a generational type player. So in that respect and, and the cap space they freed up for this year in particular, you know, it does seem like quite a shrewd deal, but you can't escape the fact that if it doesn't play out, it's going to be uh, you know, difficult times when you think of all the other, you know, big money uh, players they've got and the, and the picks they've given up over the years. In the last first round they had was Jared Goff, I think, right? So it's uh, it seems like an all in and then some move from the Rams. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's me or the Rams. I mean, are they, are they working with a different bank or a different salary cap? I, I don't know how they. <laughs> how they keep how they, doing it? Yeah. How they keep doing this? How are they going to pay all these guys? What their what their plan is? I really don't know. I, it really is their their aim is to win now and 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 use what they have. Um, you know, but they have a lot of money tied up in just three or four players. When you look at Aaron Donald, uh, Jared Goff, mm. Todd Gurley, and you know even someone like Brandon Cook. So I think. I don't know how they're going to manage it going forward, but it doesn't seem like they're too worried about that. I think they just want to use this window now, and they've got the new stadium coming, and it's a big market, so they just want to win at all costs. And you know, I think it was a good trade for everybody. Jalen Ramsey and Jacksonville just wasn't working out, and they got a couple picks they can use for for their draft. And I'm sure they'll trade them to the to the Rams in a few years' time once again. So there you go. They're they're, they're working with each other very very well. Yeah, that you mentioned Cooks. Of course, that Cooks salary insanely high. I mean, they are. They are spending the dollar. And as you say, somehow uh, we never seem to hear these problems with the Cowboys. It's always, well, how are they going to pay Zeke and Dak? But no one ever seems to apply that to the Rams. And they've added, added Ramsey and that problem in the mix uh, down the line. But it'll be a nice problem to have. So we think, well, the Rams back uh, in business and, uh, and yeah, absolutely needed that. Are they uh, still in the hunt, do you think, for the NFC West divisional title, given the fact the 49ers won again? Well, you can never rule the Rams out. I mean, I, I think bottom line is, as we know, the the NFC is just a bloodbath. I mean, um, you look at that NFC West. I mean, the, the worst team is the Arizona Cardinals at 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Um, Right. So everybody's in it. There's only really a couple of teams that you probably rule out of the reckoning in the NFC, and that's the Falcons and the Buccaneers. And everyone else is still sort of, okay, I mean, Redskins you can count as well. But most of those other teams are still within a shout. I mean, even as bad as the New York Giants have been, they're, they're not too far off. <laughs> they're, they're a division where, you know, a couple games here and there, they, 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 they could turn it around. I mean, it, I love it's, it. It's that sort of conference that's really, really crazy. And I think it's so tough to predict. I mean, it's just an absolute bloodbath, the NFC. I think the AFC is a lot more straightforward. But mm. the NFC, good luck to anyone who comes out of that uh, that conference. The, uh, you realize we're going to stitch you up and it's going to be Asmir Begovic's hot take is the Giants can make the playoffs. is <laughs> going to be your take from uh, from this pod. Well, it is. It is. I mean, they're only on a three-game losing streak, <laughs> which doesn't bode well for my prediction. But... Uh, um, do you know what? I mean, do you trust the Cowboys? I mean, the way the Eagles looked last night? Yeah, I, they, they are so representative. We're getting into it with Ben. They're so representative of those teams that are just 
uh, it is so they're so hard to read because they just lurch from you know one performance that is excellent to another which isn't and you got to look at the team they're playing and the situation they're in we were saying for example take Carson Wentz right ah oh, suddenly everybody's saying Carson Wentz is oh really worried about you know a couple of weeks ago he was really fluent against the Packers and everyone had gone into that game saying look at this amazing Packers D and and Wentz stood up to them a very uh, you know composed performance there so it, it's so hard to, to work out because teams seem to be radically different from from week to week Absolutely, and that's exactly, especially in that that little division there. I mean, in the, in the NFC East, it's just you know nobody really wants to grab you by the horns and um, and and go go with it. But it's all it's all open. I mean, you. I just think there's so many good teams: the NFC, the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, just still with running. Then you have the Saints, the Panthers, and then of course the Niners, Seahawks, and Rams. So there's so many teams to choose from, and uh, they're all within the running. They all want to win. Uh, they all have a lot of talent. So. Um, I just think it's, so, it's going to be so much fun to watch how it all plays out in the, in the, the next couple of months. Where are you on the 49ers? Because they had a, you know, an, an ugly win against the Redskins. And the conditions were horrendous, right? So that explains the, the 9 nothing scoreline. Uh, and it is the Redskins, of course. But the defense shutting out another team. Um, and they're unbeaten. They are despite that seemingly going under the radar i still don't see many people talking about them seriously where are you on them i'm i'm warm on them i'm not exactly all all in uh but i do like i mean that defense i mean if someone like kyle shanahan who's is such a great offensive mind who's had to adjust his, to, to his team's strength you know he says now it's all about our defense first and foremost and then that gives us a platform to win and that defense is incredibly could be scary uh for anyone to play against um so you do you don't want to face them in any week i just think the offense could use another piece or two i i would expect the 49ers to be active before deadline whether um they get a piece through a trade or whether they go in on someone like antonio brown i mean it, how electric would that piece be for the 49ers if they if they're able to get him somewhat right so i just think yeah. they need a couple more pieces on the offensive end to really be called a super bowl contender all right. Well, speaking of Super Bowl contenders, your Pats are yes. in the mix once again. Unbelievably so. Uh, I want to talk about them and also talk about who you think are the most dangerous uh, contenders in the AFC. That who is the most likely team to knock the Pats off their perch? Let's start with your analysis of New England this season. Those you, you follow the team for for many a year. It seems that in all the years you and I have, have uh, done shows, we spent about seventy four percent of the time talking about how. How good the, Patri- the Patriots are, and here they are again. Uh, so, how good uh, is this side uh, compared to you know sides and uh, winning sides in particular in years gone by? And it, who and what about this Patriots uh, side is getting you excited about this year? Well, what's getting me most excited is the fact that the defense is so strong. I mean, that's mm. that's the the fundamental thing for the Patriots at this moment of time, and giving them their 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 success. We know the Patriots are always this well old machine who are always good on offense, have a solid defense, and then even the special teams they take more serious than a lot of other teams. So. Um, I think that the fact that the defense is so strong this year is is giving me a lot of hope because of the injuries, because of the turmoil on the offensive end, and what Tom Brady has had to deal with on a weekly basis. Uh, everyone, you know, different names going down each and every week. I think that gives me a lot of confidence um, to think that the Patriots can go all the way once again. You know, bearing any crazy injuries um, on a defensive end. But I think that's that's the that's the most pleasing thing so far, and that's what gives me the most confidence is that defense has given the that team such a good platform and um what about offensively do you, do you think you need i mean obviously the patriots did feel they needed an extra weapon when they when they dealt for brown and uh, you know not getting into the off the field stuff uh, with him but on the field was was that the right move and do you think they still might make a play and bring another receiver in before the deadline i wouldn't be surprised Nat. i wouldn't be surprised i i would probably if if i had to choose i would probably um try and get a tight end 
Mm. Um, I think that that could be a little bit more helpful and a bigger priority just because as well for the blocking and the running game. Um, I think that could be a lot more beneficial. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they were to get someone like a Mo Sanu, a, a veteran smart receiver who can be another another weapon, you know, because the the, the, the receiving core they have isn't too bad. I think if Ankeel Harry comes back and he can he can be productive and he can help that offense and I think that that sort of solves that issue. But I just think a tight end would would you know would go along really nicely with what they have so far. You're big on remember chatting to you preseason about Ankeel Harry. You're big on him, weren't you? Um, so he's back. Well, he's back in practice now, isn't he? So that could be uh, could be what they need. I suppose the risk there is that Brady is is so particular, isn't he, about about this and is often quite damning and quite harsh on on young receivers. So yeah, the safe bet, as you say, would be the veteran smart. But Sanu would be brilliant. Uh, what an addition oh, he'd be. He would be. He would be great. And I think actually it's been a, maybe a blessing in disguise for Kyle Harrod to be injured and, and be on IR because it's giving him it's given him you know seven eight extra weeks to kind of learn um, the demands of Tom Brady of the, you know Josh McDaniels that whole offense and you know because as well from a health point of view he's not going to get beat up as much as maybe as someone else and uh, yeah. you know if he can come into this team now and and learn and and, and be productive then then uh, it could be a really really interesting piece for them yeah it's a really good point what, what do you think uh, to the final line on the Pats and then we'll get into their rivals what do you think of the succession plan is it is it pretty clear that it's going to be McDaniels and Belichick will hand over the keys uh, or do you think that on the basis the Patriots continue to play as they are and are in contention again this season there's going to be a lot of teams the Falcons for example uh, sniffing around McDaniels in the offseason and he might make the jump what's your hunch on that do you think he'll be the next head coach of the Pats or do you think he'll move on and take a gig elsewhere I just can't see it being anyone else besides him um, I just think he would have been gone by now uh, someone would have as you mentioned all these teams and people who have had these vacancies I mean the Packers last year I just think there would have been so many attractive jobs for him yeah He's such an offensive guru and a brilliant offensive mind that he would have gone by now if he wasn't lined up to be the successor one way or another I just is he looking at though that I mean it's a diff I mean obviously it's the, the definition of a difficult gig in terms of shoes to fill do you think at some point it almost become to be the immediate successor even if you're part of the the coaching tree and coaching setup it becomes an impossible gig to to replace Belichick it's like it's like you know the Moyes Ferguson situation right exactly yeah I mean it's probably as you said is it it's probably going to be impossible at the beginning because not only uh, where, where's your quarterback coming from? Are you going to get that franchise quarterback if, for yeah. 20 years like Tom Brady's been? Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of situations and circumstances that, that have to line up. But the one thing you have there is you have an incredibly, uh, you know, incredible owner who's very, very supportive of the team. And it's such, um, the culture there is fantastic. I, I think he's learned from the best. So, you know, it's not someone different coming in. So I think what Belichick is doing, there's going to be a, a little bit more of a, a transition and an easy transition to McDaniels because he will be able to put in place a lot of things that already have been done. So um, I think I think is the natural choice. I, I would imagine that he's going to do be the successor because he would have left by now if if he isn't going to be. And um, you know, but hopefully that's that's still a couple of years away. Yeah, I see. Yeah, there's no, there's no end in sight for the rest of the AFC at the moment. Speaking of which, who else in the AFC do you think can realistically? either go to Foxborough and win the championship game or be hosting the championship game and prove to be too much for the Patriots. For obviously, a Mahomes, uh, when Mahomes is fit, uh, again, the Chiefs have got to be in that conversation. Who else alongside them? Is, is there anyone, um, Texans, the Colts, anybody that you've seen that you think when it comes to the crunch, they could go toe-to-toe with the Pats in the AFC championship? Well, Nat, I think we've might have spoken on your shows before, and the, the one team that gives me the heebie-jeebies in the in the playoffs um, as a Patriots fan is the Ravens. Mm. Um, they, they've done us a couple times in the past. Um, I, hate, I hate the thought of going to Baltimore at any point, um, even at home. Yeah, I, I just think the Ravens for me are the are the most complete team in the AFC besides the Patriots. Um, Chiefs don't scare me particularly. I think if you can, I think if you can control Pat Mahomes, 
as you've seen now in the last last little last couple of weeks here, um, if you can control Pat Mahomes, I don't think you can ever stop Pat Mahomes. But I think if you can control Pat Mahomes, um, their defense, I don't think the Chiefs defense doesn't scare me one bit. Um, doesn't you know? I, I think the Texans. We have such a great record against the Texans, and I think it's, it could be more of a mental thing. The Colts. I think they're they're an interesting team, very well coached, organized, well run, but again, don't have that sort of difference maker that would that would scare me. But I just think the only other team that would that would send in me into my cold sweats would be the Baltimore Ravens. You know, the, I suppose it, can you put the Bills in that conversation given uh, how they played you earlier in the season? I mean, it's look, it's obviously a long shot, and this is part of the problem, right? And we talk about it every year that because the East is so uh, vanilla, and you know, the Jets and Dolphins again really, really poor. And you're matched with the NFC East, aren't you? So uh, you've got the Giants. Um, and Redskins compounding that too. It's, I mean, it's so difficult for, to see anyone other than the Pats getting the number one seed in the home field advantage. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think Buffalo is in with the running. I, I don't, I, I can definitely see Buffalo as um as a playoff team. Um, I think they go to the Eagles next, and and then they have Washington. Uh, so I think that they've they've got a really good schedule. I think I think they actually sorry have the Eagles at home and the Redskins at home. So they could continue definitely continue their run. I mean I don't see I don't see why not. Um, you know of course I just think if you look at them and it's something God forbid I mean Josh Allen is a little bit fragile still young. If what was to happen to him, then I think that whole offense becomes very very vanilla as you say, and I don't think they're they're they're, they're too much of a threat. So. I think the, the the Buffalo Bills are a little bit more vulnerable, and I think ultimately in the playoff game, I wouldn't mind playing against Buffalo. As difficult as it is, I think, to play against them, the defense and what Sean McDermott has done, and going to Buffalo is never, never easy. Even tonight, the Monday nighter um, against the Jets, you know, I expect that to be a close game, never easy to go and play them in the division game on the road. So um, Buffalo is definitely with the running, but in terms of who would scare me and who I think are the biggest threat to the to the Patriots is definitely the Baltimore Ravens at this moment in time. They're going to be there, there again, aren't they? I mean, just talking this through with you, they're going to be they're going to be in the Super Bowl again. How is this possible? How do we? It's just, uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. But well, barring, it's, it's impossible because what, what they do. I mean, and then of course, listen. I'm not going to deny it. Sit there like, uh, you know, nothing, nothing goes away. But of course, I mean, Ben. Big Ben goes down. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not a threat anymore. We yep. expect them to be a big threat. God knows what's going to happen to Pat Mahomes now. He could be going down, and the Chiefs could be in trouble. Yep. So these these things seem to align. <laughs> seem to align always for the Patriots. So every there, there time someone looking down on us for sure. Is Tom Brady still going to be playing in the NFL in four years' time? I mean, uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I keep saying he's, it's, you know, it's, like it's a couple of years away. He'll only do another year or two, but, you know, look at him. He, he I think looks he might. younger. I think I mean, he might. <laughs> he looks younger every day. Uh, six and oh again. I mean, if, you know, if he goes to the Super Bowl again and has a deeper, I mean, why would you, why would you quit? I mean, do you reckon he might get, this might be a little bit fanciful, but could you see if you take, uh, Ronaldo, to an extent, LeBron as well, and I know you love your, your NBA as well. Could you see a, a version of that happening with the last couple of years of Brady where he is spelled a bit more? Uh, is that possible, do you think, in the NFL? So I'm not saying that they kind of sit him uh, for entire games, but you, this idea that you keep him in and, and you bring a young quarterback in uh, and split the game time, is that is that feasible or is that just crazy town because it, it's not going to work for either player? I would love that. I would love that to happen. I keep even in a couple of blogs this year. I'm like, what, 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 is, what is Tom Brady still doing in the game? <laughs> what, why is he still in there? He's getting yeah. him out. Put, put, put my, me and put you in. Uh, somebody just put Big somebody time. in. But they put um, Stidham in and he throws a pick six. That was I just. Know. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, that's why they keep putting him in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew there was a reason, but then that, that was the reason. But I think yeah, there has to be a slight succession plan at some point and somebody who can sort of take that a little bit of game time away. And I think what the most, the reason why I seem to think he can keep going is because the, the, the Patriots are so well balanced now. The defense is stronger than ever. Uh, the running game is very, very solid. The special teams always uh, is is so reliable. So the fact is, he doesn't have to do a six touchdown game like Rodgers yesterday to win. You know, he doesn't have to um, carry the team as much as he used to. I think he he has to be his brilliant self in those moments when it matters, and that's in the playoffs and. Last couple of possessions in a game when it's a close game, and that's when Tom Brady's Tom Brady. But overall, as long as they can pace him a little bit during the season, then I don't see why he can't keep going. 
Well, here we are. Here we are again. I just, you know, I mean, I talk it through and yeah, I can't see, uh, realistically. But you're right. I think the Ravens at the moment, uh, for, obvious reasons in terms of how they're playing but as you say you're absolutely right in the playoffs if they can somehow they're going to have to go into Foxborough as opposed to getting them at home and that is going to be uh, an altogether different proposition uh, but there you go we shall see there have been some twists and tails in the season so far so uh, who's to say there aren't going to be a few more uh, yet Asmit cracking stuff man it is always a pleasure catching up with you um, before we let you go let's plug uh, the Asmit Begovic Foundation uh, how is it all going and where can our listeners get involved with it yeah well you can follow us um, on all social media platforms we always have our website asmitbegovicfoundation.com um, everything's going really really well we are you know we have big plans we want to build our sports center in Bosnia we've got a golf day again next year so lots of things going on follow us on all social media platforms and um, on our website and uh, keep up to keep up yeah. uh, with what we're doing asmitbegovicfoundation.com you a decent you must be a really decent golfer right yeah, I mean, it's been slow the last couple of months. I've been busy, but yeah, I'm 17, 18 on a good day, 15. You know, I'm a little bit of a bandit, handicap, but <laughs> it's, uh, I, I enjoy the day out more than anything else. Uh, there's nothing better, man, nothing better. Uh, get me on a mini golf course, and then you're talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, scratch on mini golf. Um, cracking stuff, man. Uh, hopefully, come uh, drop by and speak to us soon. I'm uh, hoping we'll be able to grab you when the AFC is a little bit wider open. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Anytime. Look after yourself, man. Take care. Well, there we go then. Uh, cracking work from Asmik and indeed Ben Isaacs leading us off today. Really appreciate their input, as I'm sure you guys do at home. We're back on Wednesday with I and Mike uh, getting us set uh, for another NFL London game, of course. Uh, this Sunday, uh, the show rolls on into Wembley Stadium and the Rams looking so good uh, yesterday. They're in town. That means Jalen Ramsey's in town Exciting stuff as they take on uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll be talking up that game uh, with Iron Mike uh, and plenty more besides. Uh, get in touch with us if you've got a question for that mailbag, incidentally, at the NC Show. Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And we will load up the questions for the big man. We'll see you Wednesday. Bye for now. Podcast Network.